0: Welcome to this encore show of Impact the World. It's Giving Month, and this month we are spotlighting encore shows of guests that we have had in the past who we directly support every month. Each of these people are bright lights in their own way, but this week we are turning the spotlight on Justin Michael Williams. Justin came on the show about a year ago, and he is an extraordinary soul He had his own experience through life that led him to want to offer out mental health, mindfulness and wellness tools and techniques to other people, especially marginalized or BIPOC communities. Justin is now doing an incredible thing. He has created a foundation through which he gives scholarships for teaching programs so that especially BIPOC or marginalized teachers can take this program and then bring the meditation tools, the mindfulness skills into underserved communities. And that is one of the things that we are supporting. So if you want to know more about how you can support what Justin is doing, check out the links to his work and everything he's doing with his scholarships in the show notes. And if you sit back and enjoy this episode, you will get to learn more about who Justin is in the world, why he does what he does and the work that he has been bringing to impact the world. Enjoy. Justin, thank you so much for being here. And it is lovely to get to meet you. And I'm only recently more familiar with your work. So I've been blown away because I first heard of you because of the book, Stay Woke, and the meditation work that you do and the work you do as a teacher but in going to your YouTube channel in the last couple of days, I see these amazing musical performances that you do as a, as a music artist and I had no idea. So um, it's really lovely to get to meet all the dimensions and facets of, of what you do in the world.
1: Thank you, Lee. It's, it's really a, a, a real honor to be here with you. I'm, I'm grateful and excited and, and really, I, I can already feel before we even start just from our little conversation beforehand, we're in for a juicy conversation. So I'm ready. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, before we kind of dive in, I'm curious, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking a lot of guests this at the moment, because it's been a year like no other, we're recording this in February, 2021. How, how are you doing right now? Like with the last kind of 12 months that we've all been through as a world? How, how are you, where are you at with, with everything we've been through? It's really, you know, what's interesting? I do
1: many interviews a week and no one asks that. No one asks that, like, how are you doing with it, you know? And I, so on the professional side of things I'm doing phenomenally, you know, it's been a beautiful last year to, and a beautiful by meaning like my work, the work that I do at the world kind of intersecting mindfulness and social justice and music has, people get it and it's -hmm. it's in high demand and it's been a wonderful year professionally for me. Um, personally, it's been like the most isolating year I've ever had. I'm, I've been quarantined by myself the whole time, you know, um, and, you know, I've seen family a couple times here and there and done a, done a couple little things, but it's, it's been a pretty isolating year and, you know, that comes with its challenges, but also benefits too. Like I've gotten to really kind of go into my cave and, um. And create a lot of really, really amazing things. But in terms of like connection and physical connection and just giving people hugs, and I'm wearing this shirt right now that says um, "No Hugs 2020." And it's actually <laughs> this this brand actually that's raising money for um, for healthcare workers, mental health, because they they say the sweater is really soft, and it says "Let the sweater be your hug," and mm-hmm. and don't go hugging people because it's spreading COVID. You know. Um, so, but that it's like the biggest thing that I'm missing right now is just like hugging people, you know, yeah. having that yeah. sense of connection.
0: Totally. And and it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think a lot of, I just had a conversation with Sark um, for, for another episode and she's an amazing creator. And we were talking about, you know, the, the, the art of self-hugging for a start, mm-hmm. you know, just hugging yourself, which is really mm-hmm. needed. But she was also talking about how, she as a creator was kind of built for a pandemic and she didn't realize because of course she had certain tools and, uh, the ability to create that has kind of kept her going. I know for you with being a meditation teacher and author, that must've been a real, a real force for, for stability for you this past year, especially.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been really interesting because I, so I spent, I would say, pretty much all of 2018 and 2019 in kind of like a self-imposed quarantine because I was writing my book, you know? So I was writing my book 2018, 2019. I was super, super, like I didn't have that many speaking gigs. I wasn't doing as much traveling. I was really just writing. I wrote like every day for a year and a half and um, to birth the book. And then it was funny because then it came out in February, 2020. And it was like time to go out to the world. And I like got on an airplane and like went to two cities and then it was like, you know, it just was like cut back in quarantine. And so I've had a little bit of practice at this which has been good, but meditation, I mean, to be honest with you I think one of the biggest benefits of meditation and you know, this is not really the woo woo side of it more of the scientific side of meditation Is that it helps us learn it gives us practice at learning how to hold the full range and capacity of our emotions and like our emotional wheel and so during it's amazing i think what we can notice in a day being totally alone during COVID, like the range of emotions that you can experience right just being all alone and sometimes on zoom and so the practice has really been this place for me to just be okay with whatever's showing up in that moment like i can be completely blissed out in joy and then completely anxious and stressed like in a number of hours you know and haven't gone anywhere and to be able to sit with that and it also gives me great compassion for people who, who don't have any of these practices because it's really hard to be with yourself if you haven't done it before.
0: It's true it's funny because you know one of the things that I've been doing for many years is uh, as an energy intuitive doing these monthly energy updates and one of the things that I kept kind of getting from my guides to put into the updates is emotions are going to be stronger and people are going to be going through things fast and same like you know i i talk about it i notice it i live it it's just that kind of that kind of is moving through all of us and i think in a way that stop that global stop and quiet down moment reveals everything that's otherwise running through the distractions or the things that we're engaging with in the outside world yeah Yes, absolutely. Did you always have meditation in your life? like at what point in your youth did meditation come in for you? Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> so it was one of those practices that when
1: I started it i I thought it was the stupidest thing in the world. I just was like, what is this? This doesn't work like I, I don't know how you get your mind to stop thinking all these people are lying. I'm just thinking about food and sex and what I'm supposed to be doing later. you know as I'm sitting practicing, but you know, for me, the, the, the piece of it that feels important to name is, you know, I grew up in a town in Northern California um, called Pittsburgh, California, which is just outside of Oakland. Most people don't know there's a Pittsburgh in California, but there is. <laughs> and, um, you know, I grew up literally in a home with gunshot holes on the outside of my house and with domestic violence and alcoholism and just a lot of trauma in the home. And I think Regardless of how much privilege or not or trauma or not we grew up with, we all have conditioning that we learn to adapt to. And for some people, the adaptation growing up in that kind of environment, the adaptation is to become like the bad kid, right? To do things that, you know, are rowdy or to get attention. And my adaptation is one that I assume a lot of your, your listeners and people watching might have is one that like looks positive on the outside, but has a huge shadow. And it's what I call becoming a chronic overachiever and so that feeling, you know, I was, I was a young gay kid hiding in the closet, getting teased and bullied, dealing with all this stuff at home, and, like, my mindset was, if I just do enough, accomplish enough, then I'll finally be enough, I'll finally get out of here, I'll finally be loved, you know, it was, like, the one thing that, like, no one could fuck with me on, like, I was the smart kid, you know, and, and so I did everything, you know, and I think so many of us have this, you know, and in some way, the the shadow of it is when you're the smart kid or the good kid or the overachiever kid or the golden child, like no one checks on you to see if you're okay. Mm. And you're building this shadow of your self-worth getting completely entangled with your achievements and your accomplishments, you know? And then we don't know who we are outside of what we do. And so the reason I tell all that kind of story is because I end up getting a full ride academic scholarship to go to UCLA, which was a huge deal, you know, for a a kid like me where I grew up. And I get to LA, I come out of the closet. I have extra money because I have all these scholarships. I'm living in this ritzy neighborhood now for the first time in Los Angeles and a beautiful place. And like, I had this moment and I said, how is it that I've accomplished every single thing that I've set out to do? My life looks exactly like I always dreamed of as a kid and I'm still miserable.
0: Yes. Like so true. So what the true. hell
1: do you do with that? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, what do yeah. you do with that? And there, I love that you like felt that resonate because mm-hmm. I think we, a lot of us have this moment in other, in certain ways in our life. It's like, we get the job, we are the relationship we get the, whatever the thing, the external thing hoping that it's going to create the happiness within. And we have to learn again and again and again that like the real change has to be within. Now, for me at 19, growing up in, a, in the hood, like I had never heard any of this. So I go to a therapist secretly because it was like taboo in my family to go to therapy. It was like, you just went to church, you know? And I went to therapy at UCLA and the therapist said to me, you should try meditation. And I leaned into this older white man and I just went, meta what? I was like, what <laughs> there was like no iPhone yet. There was no, Oprah didn't do a meditation challenge. Like I did not know. It wasn't cool
0: or sexy yet,
1: no. No, I didn't know anything about it. Didn't know any black people meditating. And And he told me, young man, it looks like you've been taught your entire life to find your happiness outside of yourself. And this is something that will help you find it within. Mm. It's about time you find it within. And I literally, Lee, was like, within what? Like where? Like I didn't even understand this concept. Like I just knew- there was this God out there you know, how I grew up in church, like there was this God out there who I was having issues with because the church kind of disowned me when I came out. And then there was me who was supposed to like, just be doing these things to make this God happy so that I could go to heaven one day. Like I didn't, I didn't know this, there was a within anything. And that kind of set me on this journey that now 15 years later, you know, has, has become a, the hugest part of my life. And now I'm just so, in, you know, my main mission is helping other people gain access to this, who feel like they may be kind of left out of the conversation or can't relate.
0: Yeah. What, what would you say are like some of the common myths about meditation that need busting? Oh, there's so many. Okay. Well, I, I, I kind of imagine, but like, yeah. You, probably, yeah, you probably hear like the top three or five. Oh yeah. So top one, top one, but like the biggest
1: one is that people think that meditation is supposed to make you relax that it's supposed to be relaxing. And I say in my book that meditation is not about relaxing, it's about becoming more alive. It's about becoming more alive. And we don't practice, this is a quote from Sharon Salzberg, you don't practice meditation to get better at meditation, you practice meditation to get better at life. <laughs> you know, And the, the thing about it is when people hear that, okay, become more alive. I think what people assume by that is that means you're gonna just be happier or more joyful or more kind of experiencing on the wheel of emotions, the things that are more light. But what becoming more alive actually means is you build the capacity, like I talked about earlier, to hold the joy and the pain and the grief and the celebration and, and all the range of it without it having to break you down. And that's, you know, called resilience.
0: Yeah. And when you have, because um, I'm curious, because you've taught all ages. And one of the things that I love about your your book tour that I got to see is that you took it into schools and colleges. And that was kind of the whole, that was the whole vision yeah. for the tour, which sounds like it got a little arrested. But I got to see a video clip of you with, I think it was, was it three and a half thousand students? Yeah. 3,500 yeah.
1: students. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And that looked so impactful. I'm curious, like when you take this to young people, what what kind of what kind of happens for them? Oh,
1: you would be shocked, Lee. And what's so cool about this is, you know, we raised money, we raised a quarter million dollars to go to high schools in like underprivileged neighborhoods to go do these events and give them the book for free and teach them. And we went on a few stops and then COVID hit and everything shut down, but we pivoted virtually this year and we've now already reached more kids virtually than we would have ever reached the whole time in person. And so it's been a huge blessing. Because instead of going to like 20 schools, we're now doing like 85 or something. I did I did six schools, six high schools last week in Houston. Wow. And um, and the reason why I think, you know, this is so important is because the kids are ready. They're they're in a different stage of human development and evolution with social media and with what's out now and with what they're hearing. Like they have the language to say at 13. That they're having anxiety. Like, I didn't have that language at 13, you know, like maybe I was stressed, but I don't really think I knew. Like, they really have a deeper understanding of what well being is. And I think even their educators who are younger, you know, have a sense of what it means as well. So there's a different context that they're living in. And you would be shocked. The students love it, they're ready for it. Like, people always ask, well, how do I get my kids to meditate? You just, they they actually know how to do it
0: better than we do (laughs) to be honest with you so yeah yeah they have less to clear less to clear through in a certain way like it's so in our culture now whereas when i mean there's definitely an age gap between you and i but when i was younger it was so like i mean i remember yoga happening and everyone being like whoa that's weird what is that you know and a few people did it and it Mm -hmm. was very very fringy um and look at it now
1: yeah no totally you know and For the record, I'm 32, I'm turning 33 in a a couple of weeks. And um, yeah, I think generationally, each generation that kind of comes forward gets a different opportunity for healing. And one of the things that I love is, um, this is a quote from one of my colleagues, Dr. Sarah King. She says, we are beings that live at the nexus of the dreams of our ancestors and the memories of our descendants. Mm. And I think that's so beautiful because our generation, when you when you don't break it down into like Gen Z, millennial, but like those of us who are alive here on the planet now, we're really the first full generation of people of diverse backgrounds with an opportunity to actually do this healing work together. Yeah, This is the first time like indigenous people, people of color, Latino, have never actually had an opportunity to, to ever think about things like, manifesting or mental health yes and so it's yeah. a big deal for these kids to start doing this because some of them they're the first ones in their whole family to ever even think about their mental health mm-hmm. and so anyway it's a big honor for me to to bring it in these
0: spaces well it's funny that makes me think one of the quotes that i really liked for your book uh, is from patrice colors who's a new york times best-selling author and she said i started meditating after recognizing the rage inside of me was eating away at my spirit I wish I would have had Justin's book as a young person navigating racism, sexism, and homophobia. Stay woke is a beacon of light in a time of deep despair. We are reminded through Justin's writing how necessary our healing actually is. And I just thought, wow, that that encapsulates so much. And one of the reasons the book is important.
1: Yeah, it's really special. You know, and one thing that I feel called to share is um, because I know a lot of people listening or watching might be like, well, how does this come to my school? Like I'm an educator. What's actually really cool and it's a position that people are not usually in is we have like so much money to spend right now because it's all virtual. And so if anybody wants to support or bring it to their school, if they just go to staywotegiveback.org, we're literally like we went from having to do 25 schools and having a wait list to like needing schools to go to. And it's a beautiful gift that now we get to bring us to as many, it's high school enough, um, but to as many high school students as possible, so.
0: Fantastic. So let's talk a little bit about the book, Stay Woke. Cause you said that you wrote it for 18 months and you wrote every day. How, like, how did it, it come to you? What was the process of you deciding I'm gonna write this book and and how did it all play out?
1: Oh man. so. Totally honest truth is I had no intention on writing a book like ever like I never I actually got asked several years prior to write a book um, from a big publisher I was I was doing some speaking at some big festivals and conferences and I was at Wonderlust, and a publisher came up to me I, I don't think I'm allowed to name who it is but they just said hey, we really want you to write a book. Like there's no black man who has a meditation book and the way that you teach is so different. And the concept was this meditation to get shit done kind of concept. And that was the title and it was about productivity. And my heart just wasn't in it. I was like, I don't really like care enough to write a book about this. You know, there's enough meditation books about being productive and, and then after 2016, when the election happened, I, I think like many people, regardless of what political, I'm not getting into a political conversation, but I, like so many people in that moment started asking, okay, how do I show up in the world now differently? Because I was somebody who was like, I don't watch the news, it's too negative. I don't pay attention to politics. I was so there, you know? And then I said, okay, hold on a second. like. How do I show up in a way that is authentic to me? You know, and for some people, organizing and marching and protesting, and I'll go to those things, but for some people that is their way, like Patrice Cullors, you know, who you just read. She's the founder, of, co-founder of Black Lives Matter. And, um, but for me, that doesn't use any of my skills or talents, like I can show up at a rally, but I'm much more useful teaching or, mm-hmm. or doing something. And so I started saying, okay, how about I go I teach at all these festivals and Yoga Journal and here, and I'm like really teaching often to like just (laughs) a a certain demographic of people. And I said, "What what if I consciously go and bring this into communities of people who look like me? And so I started hosting these free events, meditation, and it was like so diverse and so mixed. And what happened is this talk that was kind of my signature big keynote talk that I gave everywhere, I had to throw it in the trash can because all of these people were asking completely different questions. Right. They were completely different questions. And I was like, oh. And so after doing that a few times and the, it started to build, the audience started to build and the desire, I, something in my spirit said, you have to write a book. And I went, no, like, I was just like, no, really? And I sat with it for several months and, and started working on the proposal. And then it, it really was, to be honest with you, some people have these horror stories about writing books. Like I hear so many horror stories. Mm-hmm. It was the most incredible, one of the most incredible experiences of my life. Um, just, it transformed me completely. It, the, the level of like focus and commitment and relationship to writing that I had never had before was just so beautiful. My publisher, Sounds True, was incredible. Like I have nothing but the most amazing things to say about you know the process of writing. So,
0: so what was it about it specifically that perhaps gave you that the process? What what about the process specifically was so transformative for you?
1: Hmm. All right, I'll tell you the thing thing that I that I was almost not going to say, which is always the fun thing. So <clears throat> I was like, am I going to say this or this or this? But I'll say this. So at the beginning of my writing process, I saw one of my spiritual teachers, um, and she did a reading for me, and over the last. I don't know, five or six years, I've done just a lot of work on myself to prioritize my connection to spirit, like create the mm-hmm. least amount of static possible, you know, for that space. And so I'm getting ready to write and I have this reading, literally the week before I was starting the book, she had no idea I was writing the book and she does a reading. She says, you have a huge creative project in front of you that has the power to change the trajectory of your entire life. And I'm like, yeah, you know what I am And So she just says, Yeah, and she just said, and I can tell you've done a lot to clear your energy, but you're missing your most distracting thing of all. And I said, what? I'm thinking there's nothing left. Like I don't drink, I don't smoke anything. Like I don't have any caffeine, not even black tea. Like, you know, so I thought she was gonna say sugar. And I was like, I'm not giving up sugar. Like I just was there. And and she said, boys and sex. That's the first thing she said to me. And it wasn't like I had a sexual addiction or problem, mm. but she said like the, the arrows, that creative sexual fire energy energy, is, yeah, is she's like, it's leaking and you and this project, it needs all of it. Like a hundred percent of it fully on. And so she said, I need you to, the, the word that most people would use is celibacy, but I didn't, I don't use that word. And she didn't suggest that I do. It was more of like a redirection of the energy. You know, not shutting the energy off, but redirecting it. And so when she said it to me, I dropped my forehead on her kitchen table when she was doing the reading. And I was like, Are you kidding me? You know, like she said, I need you, I need you six months, totally clean, a full reset. And I said, I'll do three. And I did three months and I felt so dramatically different. It was such a dramatic difference. That I said I have to do six months. There's no way I'm I'm stopping. And then at the six month mark, I said, "Well, I need to keep going until I turn in my first draft." And then after that, it was like, "Well, I need to go until the book is due." And then it was like, "I need to go until the book comes out," you know. And so fast forward, I personally fell in love with the process because the level of like spiritual commitment that I made to the project itself, to being a steward of the gift of this mm. energy of the project to come through me, to be a vessel for it. I've never committed to anything like that in my life. And it transformed me inside out, transformed the way I relate to others, transformed my intimacy in, in such a beautiful way and created I think a book that would not have been created had I been kind of sexting and texting and yeah. dating and swiping the whole time
0: you know? Beautiful. And so I'm curious, like, what is the most surprising result that you hear from people who read your book or experience your book? What is like the thing that you wouldn't have expected people to say they get from it? That's a really interesting question. Let me think. Let me feel that for a second. I do not know the answer to that question. Um, no, and the only reason yeah. I, I thought to yeah. ask it was because you just share with us this brilliant story of, of how, how you infuse the book and it yeah. makes total sense. But I'm curious. I'm like, okay, that's interesting because you know, the way creativity works, what we become or who we already are when we bottle that yeah. energy and work with spirit to bring something through. So I was like, well, that's interesting. There's something about purity, purifying with no judgment, about sex at all i just mean you you really purified yourself in a in a very first time in your life way so something that was kind of coming through you i'm curious i'm like wow wow that's going to be
1: yeah you know what so sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you no go ahead i just got excited (laughs) so (laughs) the um the thing that is that i think will surprise people about the book in general maybe this is the reason the question might have been hard for me at first is because these responses don't surprise me, but I think they surprise people when they're gonna go into a meditation book. So the second chapter of my book, which or the third chapter actually, which most people don't expect is I do a whole chapter on self-sabotage. And the reason why I talk about this before I even let people meditate is because I tell them, if you're doing all these personal growth practices, podcasts and meditating and praying and whatever mantras and affirmations you're doing, but you still have all this self-sabotaging shit going on in your life. It's like watering a garden full of weeds and expecting roses to bloom. Mm. And so it's like, how do we pull out some of these weeds to make space for the new growth, you know, in the garden of our lives, which is obviously a part of what I did, you know, and what I, like you said, bottled up. And so what most people write about first is they were like, I thought I was picking up a meditation book and you have me like completely changing these things in my life that I didn't even realize were holding me back. And that is exciting to me. And, and, you know, I don't say that like in the book, I'm very clear. I'm not promoting celibacy. I'm not promoting sobriety. I'm not promoting anything like that. I'm saying, who do you want to become? And who are you now? And what's out of alignment? Mm -hmm.
0: You, You answer the question and you'll know you know what i mean people will know if you guide them properly yeah yeah so you created this book but even though you've been a teacher and a meditator for a long time i'm curious like what was your path with personal development and spirituality so you talk about your spiritual teacher and the reading she gave you like the meditation pebble was dropped in therapy Where did you then go with your journey into mindfulness, personal development, spirituality, whatever it looked like? How did that all unfold? Yeah. So
1: it's actually the funnest thing. So in that same moment with um, the therapist, so there's so many levels, but I'll just say this story. Um, After I tried meditation a handful of times and thought it was super stupid and hated it, I... I love that I, you say that. It's so important that you say yeah, that. Yeah, I really did. And and like, I just was like, I quit this. Literally the universe did like a divine intervention because I had quit. I just said, I'm not doing this anymore. And that day I had gone to a meditation workshop and I left and I said, you know what? I called one of my friends I said, they said I should try this meditation thing. It's supposed to be making me happy. It's irritating me. And I'm not doing it anymore, you know? And I, Um, went to a party that night as a plus one, literally somebody's party. I didn't know who it was. I came with a friend just as a guest. And I sit down in this chair and this older white gentleman sits next to me. So picture I'm like freshly out of the closet, like wearing like a deep V-neck American apparel t-shirt when that was a thing and like hot pink and like had a ponytail. And this is like a 70 year old white man. And he sits next to me and says, Hey young man, how was your day? And I said, it was okay. I was like, I've been doing this meditation thing, but I don't really like it. And I leaned into him and said, have you ever heard about meditation? Because I still think it's this thing that nobody, nobody really gets. Yeah. Little did I know I'm sitting next to literally one of the world's most renowned meditation teachers and scholars. His name's Lauren Roche. He wrote meditation made easy meditation secrets for women. The radiant sutras has had books in print for 40 years. And here's my little ass. Like, have you ever heard about meditation? You know? And we have this whole conversation that night and he says, well, I want you to give this one more try. And he invites me to the beach the next day in Santa Monica and introduced me that day to a practice that felt nothing like the other meditations that I had done. It was, it just was so different. And at the end of that session, he said, all right, young man, if this works for you I want you to try this every day for two weeks. And I want you to text me every single day for two weeks. And if this works for you, I'll teach you everything that I know. And I'm looking at him like, why? Like I'm thinking he's trying to pick me up. Like something weird is happening here, you know? (laughs) And, And you know, he was giving me, you'll appreciate this Lee. He was giving me, and back then I didn't get it, but like the yoga eyes.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean?
1: Like he was like looking straight in my soul. Now I love that. But when I was 19, I was like, what is going on?
0: I remember that too. I remember the first people did that to me. I'm like, "Mm."
1: are you okay? You know, totally. And and so fast forward, um, he, well, in that moment, I asked him why, and he said, I'll never forget these words. He said, in all my 40 years of teaching, I've never seen someone your age who looks like you and who's gone through what you've gone through, who's been this interested in trying to figure out this practice. And I think one day there are gonna be people who need to hear your voice who don't need to hear mine. Mm. And in that moment, I think, cause I was a kid, I probably said something like no pressure or something, but really the rest is history. I ended up apprenticing him with him very closely for three years and helping him build out his teacher training. And, and that is, was kind of like my insertion point fully into the community. And from there, it just, you know, I dabbled yoga and then this and astrology and tarot cards. And now I'm like, I got crystals all over my room. And yeah, you know, yeah, it's
0: you know? like, it's the yeah. whole thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how the crystals get you. Cause I was like not into crystals at all. And the minute I kind of, as soon as I had my channeling connection happen, I needed to kind of get crystals. But for years, even though I was really into like tarot readings, metaphysics, crystals was the thing I was leaving to everyone else. And then they get you in the end.
1: They get you. They, they do, you. but so I love
0: that. this story about you essentially being initiated by him. It's kind of like you found your Yoda and yeah. you were his Luke and uh, yeah. Totally, it was yeah. exactly that.
1: And it you know, it's really beautiful because as you talk about the spiritual journey, it just set me on a completely different pathway. Hmm. You know it was like my life before that and my life after that were two completely different things. It was like it picked me up and put me on a different road. and one that I'm so grateful to be to yeah, be, you know yeah.
0: Well, let's talk a little about music because that was the thing I didn't know. So you were recommended to us. we checked out your work. we were like, oh, yeah, he looks great, love his book. But somehow when I first heard about you, the music went right over my head or I just didn't see it until I was prepping to talk to you today it's pretty amazing what you do the level of performance the creativity of the videos i'm kind of bummed because we wanted to share one of your videos at the beginning but we'd run into copyright issues with youtube uh-huh. if we did that yeah. because you're you're doing um you know kind of a medley of of like glory and beyonce song and i mean it's but it's fantastic so i highly recommend anyone watching to go to justin's youtube channel which will share and check out some of his musical performances but how how and when did the music kind of uh weave in, and when did that emerge for you?
1: ah oh, that's a really that's a really um big question so and in, and a really interesting story. so I had always wanted to do music ever since I was a kid. like if you asked anyone when they knew little Justin growing up, like what was Justin gonna be when he grew up? it was gonna be something to do with performing and singing and music. Mm. but given all the stories that I told you, you know like getting teased and bullied and and also needing to try to be successful and achieve and get out. I just like let that completely fall to the wayside. And I went to school for marketing and started a marketing company in 2008. And mm-hmm. like while I was in school and, and was completely on this kind of marketing path and mindfulness and stuff was just like in the in the background. It was just what I was doing personally, you know? And then, God, eight years ago, yeah, almost nine years ago, Um, My grandmother, who in my family we call Baca, she was was diagnosed with stage four cancer and the doctors told her she had a couple months to live. It was a huge shock because she was 67, seemingly healthy, very active, like it was like out of left field. And her and I were very close. You know, I don't know if anybody listening, if you're close to your grandparents, you know, it just was like, we were so close. And I flew home to the Bay Area And I walked in the door and my whole family was in the house. And my grandmother literally goes, shh, come with me. And like, she like snuck me into the back room when none of the family saw, I like had my suitcase. She had me leave my suitcase outside so nobody heard. And she sat me down and she said, close your eyes. And I'm like, "What?" I'm just thinking what the hell is going on? And she said, I've been wanting to talk to you about this for a long time. And because I know I don't have a lot of time left we're talking about it now, close your eyes. And I just closed my eyes and I was so cracked open in that moment, you know, from the news. And she literally said, if you were in my shoes and you knew you were gonna die in two months, what would you do? Mm. And I opened my eyes and I'm like, what? I'm just like, what are you talking about? You know, I think I said something like, I'm not dying. I mean, you're, I am, but not as fast as you, I hope, you know, I'm just like, what are you even talking about? And she said, get quiet, get still, do that meditation thing you always talk about. And her actual words were, and don't you dare open your lips until you're ready to tell me the truth. (laughs) She was so serious with love. And I closed my eyes and I felt this like, well of emotions just like come running up. And before I could even think of it, I just said, I would quit everything and I would record an album. Mm. And she looked at me right then and she said, I know. She was just like, baby, I know. And she said, we all have these things in our lives that we really want and we give up on them because when we're younger, somebody says you're too fat or you're too old, or, you're too ugly or you're too gay, yeah. you're not good enough or you are too this, started too long. We all have these, these things. And she looked at me and she said, there was this quote that it just unbelievable. And it's someone once told me the definition of hell. And it's that on the last day you have on earth, the person you became will meet the person you could have become. Hmm. Woo! right? Yeah, it's yeah, like- yeah, yeah. That hits home. <laughs> it hits so hard. And, and I felt that moment right there with her. Like I was in this moment where I could actually see that I had been living my life fully based on running away from my childhood, running away from my trauma, trying to fulfill everybody else's expectations, but it wasn't my path. Even though it was successful, it wasn't actually my path. And I had a choice right then to say, am I going to continue living on everyone else's expectations or I'm going to start stepping into my dream? And she just made me look her in the eyes and she said, I don't care when, I don't care how, I don't care what happens. Look me in the eyes right now and promise me you will record an album.
0: Wow. Wow. What a grandma you had. Big, right? Huge. Very, very big thing for her to do. Huge.
1: And so, and so I, I closed my eyes and she was like, put your hands over your heart and just say it. I promise I'll record an album. And I realized now in hindsight, she was making me promise myself. Yeah. And so, you know, it sounds like abracadabra because three years later I put out an album and it, because of my marketing background, it charted in the top 20 next to Britney Spears and Taylor Swift. And and that's what actually really shifted my life in a big way. But when I say that I'm careful to say that because people see it and they think, Oh, ta-da, Justin put out an album. But it was like the level of shadow work, the level of moving through my fear, the level of trauma that I had to move through to like step into that and share my voice in a way that I've, ne- I've never authentically shared before was so deep and still it sits today. And, and so now I use music, you know, like I mentioned to before the show, like I, I use music because in a lot of the communities that I speak in, you know, for some of us who are well-read and well-educated, like listening to a really well kind of intricately themed Ted talk like gets mm-hmm. us. But for people who are not in that demographic, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. And so the entry point for most people throughout all of human history has been music. That's, that's where the message comes from. And so I use music not just to be like an artist, but to use it as kind of like the sugar that makes the medicine go down.
0: Yeah, totally, and and music is such a universal language. But there's something I wanna like kind of point out to our listeners and our viewers in reference to this story that you've just shared. Because first of all, you know, we can talk about Britney and big artists like that. And you, you know, you say I had to go through a lot of shadow work to get there. Well, anybody who is of a certain level of success either then has to go through their shadow work because they're in that glare, that spotlight, or that perceived thing that was supposed to make them happy, yeah. but often doesn't and can come with all kinds of problems that they're not prepared or equipped to deal with. Um, or they've already done a certain amount of work so that they can just be in that space and then leave that space. And it's just, oh yeah, now I do this thing, now I do this thing, but, it, but the, the continuum of life exists for them. It's not their success status or that thing they achieve. But I think one thing that hits me in, in hearing your story from your grandma and anybody who goes and watches Justin's uh, videos, if you don't know his performances, you'll see this. Watching you perform is no different to watching one of those artists you mention. Yeah. So what's most interesting to me in the story is the level of prowess you have as a performer was in you and was suppressed. Yeah. And I mean, how true is that for all of us? And of course, not everybody is going to be like a brilliant pop artist performer and do the things that you do. But all of those gifts and talents that all of us have from the small things to the big things are all in there for all of us. But we've we've learned to push them down or we've been encouraged to push them down or they haven't been included in a way that has made us think we can include them in our life or in the lives of others. So that's what I take away from your story.
1: Yeah, that's huge, you know. And I think it it really gives an ode to when people think about healing their trauma or doing shadow work or going, you know, into these things, they often think that you're just going into the past and and focusing all this bad stuff. Mm. But some of your greatest gifts are hidden behind that shadow, you know, and that's what I found is like I had to go into the shadow. And once I once I shine my light of awareness on it. Like my greatest gifts were hidden behind that shadow. And so that's why in so much of my work, like I'm very, I'm I'm not very much of a like, I'll say it this way, I'm not just a love and light kind of meditation teacher, mm-hmm. like a we are all one kind of teacher at all. I I love that and I I subscribe to it, but with an and, you know, and We got to keep it real. And we have to look at the trauma of our world, of the shadow, of the collective, of the individual to see how we can actually make this change happen, not on just a surface level, but in a real transformative level. And so, yeah, we all have it. And it's, and I love that you said that, Lee, because it's not about it's not about you becoming, like throwing away your life and becoming an artist. It's about, you know, the mother that you see yourself as or the partner Mm -hmm. that you see yourself as or the way that you love your body or the business idea. You know, all these these things that when we close our eyes, like my grandma had me do, we can see that person that we know is inside of us. Mm -hmm. And it's about what do we do to wake that up? And, And that's really what I try to do with people.
0: Yeah, and how our life force just kind of gets dented or bruised. And if the dent or the bruise kind of gets dragged with us through 20 years, you always have this slightly compressed pocket inside you that could burst forth and do something else. And actually, I think that's one of the most exciting things about being a creator. So I've been like a creator since I was little. Luckily, I had the connection to be creative and create things in the world. It was probably what kind of got me through the rough years when I was younger. But when I then became passionate about metaphysics and personal development, and I, I had to kind of seek them separately, because not many people were fusing them at the time. So I'd go over here to work on my shadow. And I'd go over here for metaphysics and love light. And then nowadays, it, it can all fuse, which is great. Yeah. But I think one of the things that I then came to understand is I'm like, oh, the reason I love creating is because it is transformational energy. And if you're I won't say doing it right, but if you're really surrendering to creativity, it will transform you as you create this thing and you birth this thing in the world, the really good kind also kind of like you shared with your book is going to rewire, recalibrate and open something in you. And that's the really potent creativity. And I mean, we can go back to what you just said about being a mother. I mean, look at creating a a baby and bringing a child into the world, which is kind of something that I think we just overlook. I mean, it's a miracle and it's around us every day and we all came through that, that route, yet it's just kind of a little humdrum sometimes in the way that we see it in the world, but it's, it's amazing.
1: Yeah. It's a miracle. I, I love that what you're saying because it is, it just reminds me of what I talked about with my book and with anybody who's created anything like the, I, when you really give yourself to that process, like I can genuinely say, I think I personally, in ways that I never could have expected, got just as much out of writing my book as like anyone will ever get from reading my book because it it completely transformed me in a way that I never could have even fathomed would be possible from writing a book. And I think like you're saying with motherhood, like anybody, you know, my sister, when she had her first child, my sister who
0: she was before her child and after her child were two completely
1: different people. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs>
0: totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. If you, if you're <laughs> close to Yeah. I mean that that's fascinating to me and and same with the men in my life who became fathers, like watching that transition from I'm not a parent to I'm a parent. And I've seen that so many times. It's, it's, it's incredible to see it happen yeah. and to get to witness it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, what is next for you, Justin? And what is next for Stay Woke? Um, Cause it's been great to talk to you and here, but what, what, what do you kind of have in the ethers for the kind of year to come if you have anything at the moment that you're dreaming of thinking of creating
1: yeah of course i have things you know <laughs> <laughs> i had a feeling of course we do yeah i mean i am um, so i'm working on a new a new album right now actually which i'm really excited about so that feels really good because i haven't really been back in the studio in a couple of years and so it feels really good to get back in in the music creative space and Right now, we're really, really picking up the virtual stay woke, give back, um, you know, high school and college tour. I mean, it, it's so impactful. I, I think now we've reached 18,000 students um, in the mm-hmm. last few months, which is like, that's crazy. It, it's amazing to really think of. And um, especially students in underserved communities, it's like, this is their, I remember, you know, when I told the story of me having my first time hearing any of these words from a therapist, you know, I'm imagining some of these kids now, I'm the first time they're hearing it. And it's also now from someone who looks like them, you know, and who like yeah. can relate to their stories. And so that's a big part of what's here. And the final thing um, is I actually just signed my second book deal, which I'm very excited about. Congratulations. Yeah, just, I can officially announce it because it's it's done and um, and the work is really around uniting people across what are perceived as divides and really helping us come together in a space of transformation in a way that can actually help us not just kind of keep talking about equality and talking about racism and talking about these things, but to actually help us end it, like end this idea of using in-group, out-group distinction based on skin color um, Mm -hmm. in this generation. And I think it's something that we all really can do, especially in our transformational community, because we look at something that seems as impossible as ending racism, but we in transformational work know and have seen people change so dramatically. Mm-hmm. And so why would this be exempt? And mm-hmm. so we're looking at how we bring this transformational work to help people really come together and um, you know, bridge the di- really bridge the divide in a meaningful way.
0: Fantastic, so, that sounds amazing. So I'm guessing that will probably come out in 2022. 2022, yeah. That's okay, we're at. Yeah. brilliant, brilliant. Well this has been lovely thank you so much yes, i mean it's wonderful yeah, just everything that you're doing is so inspiring and and uh, you know the thing i love is process like i love us talking about the process of doing these things in the world so i'm sure that everyone who tuned in as well as looking at your work i hope and i'm sure will have got some inspiration about yeah what would it's funny the story about your grandma it's something that i try and live by and it really helps me when i'm when I've lost presence or focus because my guides um, always would say, you know, what would you do if you just had two weeks left on earth? And I actually say that a lot from the stage. And I, I live that way myself. When I catch myself getting unconscious or not very present or distracted by something, it, it really brings you back. So, so I love, I love that, that that's a big part of your journey too.
1: So beautiful. And you actually just saying that, there's like a, a decision, you know, we still all get into this space, it's a decision that I've been trying to make and you asking that question out loud just helped me make the decision.
0: Like, Good. I've been <laughs>
1: spinning about for about a week. So thank you for repeating oh, that fantastic. back to me because I needed fantastic.
0: it. Fantastic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we all need each other, right? That's the beauty yeah. of being alive. So thank you so much. Really lovely to meet you. And um, and Justin, I must say, I, I'm completely forgetting what your website is, please. Ah,
1: we could- very easy, justinmichaelwilliams.com.
0: Perfect. Very easy. We'll put links in the show notes below. So for anyone watching or listening, um, you can check out more of Justin's work and his book, Stay Woke, um, is available everywhere. But Justin, thank you so much and lots of love. Bye, everyone. Thank you, Lee. Hi, I'm Lee. I'm an intuitive, a channeler, a musician, and you may know me from my monthly free energy updates that go out on YouTube and Facebook. You may know me from the Impact The World podcast, but I wanted to introduce you to my members community, The Portal. We've been a community now for eight years, and my mission and the mission of my team every single month is to bring you wellness content, metaphysical content, anything that's going to support your life as a sensitive, as a healer, as someone who is newly awakening, but also to ground it in reality. So every month we bring you various tools to help you survive, thrive, and expand your life. I know many of you are out there bringing your own special gift or light to the world. And the portal is a hub that we hold along with our community members to support you on your mission. Every month, I do a live energy tune-up broadcast. It's 90 minutes long. It allows me to go deeper on some of the energies that month and how they are affecting our specific portal community. I also take Q&A. I answer questions from my intuitive standpoint, and I also answer questions from my guides, the Zs, who I channel. These live tune-ups are always available within 24 hours, so if you can't make it live, you will always have the replay to go back and watch again, or to use the timestamps to visit a specific question that you heard that you wanted to replay the answer for. Every month, we will bring you a brand new audio recording. I often keep our community at the top of my mind when I'm creating a new channeled mp3, or a new energy alchemy meditation. And these are always scored and supported by the music of sound healer Devor Bozik. I also do several private behind-the-scenes video diaries. Sometimes these are what we're creating and what's going on here at the studio. But other times it might just be me at home talking about things that I'm noticing, really designed to give you and I an intimate conversation that I wouldn't otherwise put out there into the wider world. Stephen Washington brings you a special body energy update every single month. So Stephen is my husband, and he is also an amazing Qigong and wellness teacher. So I asked him several years ago to start creating some body medicine for us. So he takes the themes of that month's energy update, and he expands upon them and gives you a sequence of Qigong movements that are very gentle and easy for beginners. But it's a way of alchemizing what we're going through and he does it beautifully. So many of our members love that component. Stephen also has many meditations inside the portal, which you can access anytime, And we are expanding our meditation library as these months go on. You receive a welcome bonus of the intuitive power live event. So if you've never seen a live event of ours, we had an incredible film crew document our London intuitive power event in 2019 and you'll get all five hours of that content as soon as you sign up. And finally, we curate special monthly Spotify playlists. Two different kinds, music to move you, so things that are a little more dancey, and music to soothe you, things that are designed to help your nervous system calm. We love introducing you to new music, and this is curated by our whole team. The Classics Library is another important cornerstone of the portal. It gives us an opportunity to bring you eight different mp3 recordings from my vast library, but we curate them as to the titles that might be perfect for you at this time. So if you want some extra audio, you can go into the Classics Library and pick a topic that suits you. Alongside several discounts to Portal members, our favorite thing is the energy of our community. So we have a private forum only available to members where you can share with each other, discuss, and learn from each other. So the Portal really is a world unto itself, and it will keep expanding as the years go on. But there are some of our members who love every single aspect of the Portal, and there are some who are there just for two or three things. So if you want to try it out for a month and see if it's for you, you can do that because membership is available to cancel any time. And we look forward to welcoming you in the Portal if you choose to experience what it is that we are curating and creating for you here.